Hello, this is Jim Friend, Managing Director for Changing Our World and the host of the Advancing Our Church podcast. On behalf of our firm, I want to extend our heartfelt prayers to all those who have contracted the coronavirus and those who are caring for a loved one who has taken ill. We pray today for people in our country and around the world that during this time of uncertainty, God provides you with what you need. At Changing Our World, we're working a little differently this week. Most of us are using our home offices, WebEx, video conferencing, and other remote tools to keep the missions we serve moving, and we know that many of you are doing the same. In an effort to be a resource to you, on Friday's CW podcast, Gavin Mooney, our firm's president, sat down with Dr. Susan Raymond, who is a senior advisor on the economy and philanthropy, and they discussed some ideas to work through the current situation. And you can find that podcast on our social media or by visiting our website at changingourworld.com. Well, folks, I'm keeping you in my prayers this week. Let's talk about the future of our church now. On with today's show. You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. I hope your Lenten journey is going well. Before we get on with today's show, I wanted to invite you to read my new article, Five Ways to Engage Young Adults in the Catholic Church. It was published by SG Engage, which is a division of Blackbaud. I'll leave a link to the article in the show notes of this podcast, and you can also find a link if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook. So I was compelled to write this article because of the dire need that I'm seeing in our church today, with 40% of millennials declaring themselves with no religious affiliation. You know, there's never been a more critical time to focus on young adults and finding the lost. On last week's show with Kerry Robinson, we talked about the need to recruit smart and sophisticated young people into your ministry. And by the way, that was an amazing show. So if you haven't listened to it, you need to. Evangelization needs to be everyone's responsibility. That's right, even advancement. We aren't going to advance the mission of our church if we leave 40% of the population behind. I encourage you to read the article and give me your input on it. You can leave me a voicemail if you visit us at advancingourchurch.com. You can just click on leave a voicemail or send me an email at jim at advancingourchurch.com. Let me know what you think. We have to continue this conversation and I'll be interested to get your feedback. Thanks for listening. And now let's get to work. So as you may recall, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the annual summit for the Leadership Roundtable, and I had the opportunity to meet Christina Lamas, and she's the executive director for the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry. Now, Christina brings 25 years of youth ministry experience to today's conversation. And before joining NFCYM, she was the associate director for the Office of Religious Education and a division coordinator of youth ministry for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Christina has a bachelor's degree in psychology, and a master's in social work from the University of Southern California. Now, just a warning, you'll hear some background conversation during this interview because we were literally right outside the doors of the summit's ballroom while having this conversation. And so, without further ado, here is our conversation. Well, Christina Lamas, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So how long have you been uh, in your role as Executive Director of the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry? We'll call it NFCYM for now. Perfect. (laughs) It's a lot easier. (laughs) It's a long title. (laughs) I've been in the position for almost four years. I started in August of 2016, and so I'm four years almost in. That's wonderful. And you came from the Archdiocese of L.A.? Yep. 
Born and raised in Southern California, and that's where I've been most of my life until I relocated for the position. Oh, wonderful. And how do you like D.C.? It's become a second home. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, we're here in February in D.C., so it's a little, the weather's a little different than Southern California, as we were saying before. But um, Well, great to have you here. So we're here at the National Leadership Roundtable Conference. What do, you, uh, what do you think of the conference so far? By the way, you did a great job on the panel. Thank you. Very, very wonderful <laughs> presentation. Great dialogue. Well, what are your thoughts so far? I was here last year, and okay. so I was here part of the conversation and the dialogue that took place. So this is my second time around here at the conference. I want to say there's a different air, there's a different spirit amongst um, the people mm -hmm. and the dialogue. I was The first conversation that we had at our table, we couldn't stop. It kept yeah. going. They called the break, and we're still dialoguing. Really? That's <laughs> we're still, great. <laughs> we were deep into the conversation, and so it's enlightening and it's enriching to know that folks are having some challenging questions, and yeah. they're making statements that are bold and courageous, but we can still have respectful dialogue. Right. So it's, it's hopeful. Yeah, it is hopeful. Tell us a little bit about the organization that you serve. Um, you have a pretty active board. It's a national organization. It's been around, what, 25, 30 years? 39 years. 39 years. We're oh, hitting forgive 40 me. next year. 40. <laughs> wow, I remember 40. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's great. So yes. almost 40 years. That's tremendous. What's new at the uh, NFCYM? I got that right. NFCYM. You yes. got it right. Yeah. It's a very engaging organization. We're yeah. member-based. And yeah. so we, we thrive on uh, helping young people recognize themselves as missionary disciples, but really focusing on the formation of the adults who are ministering and accompanying them alongside with them. Mm -hmm. And so formation opportunities. Um, we have a couple of events. I'm sure you've heard of NCYC. Sure. Um, I, bet I was there as a youth. Oh, you have to come back. It's changed. I'll bet it has. <laughs> <laughs> this past year, we held it again in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And by far, it was probably one of the best NCYCs that we've had to date. There was something different. Um, God's presence was felt in, in ways that you've never experienced before. The young people were saying really? it. The adults were saying it. The bishops were saying it. Really? I mean, you could just feel it. And to witness it, mm -hmm. it was powerful. Tell us what happens at one of those conferences. So this is a three-day um, conference in yeah. which we in help young people have experiences with God. Mm -hmm. God makes himself present in ways that we not always understand, but yeah. he's making himself present. So we have opportunities of engagement. Mm -hmm. So we have something that's called the village. And so there's different opportunities for organizations to engage directly with young people based on their mission. Mm -hmm. And so it's very interactive. Mm -hmm. Then we have different workshops. And so we have... Um, couple hundred presenters come and give talks to young people mm -hmm. and issues that relate to what they're living and their personal lives. Mm -hmm. Then we've got the Lucas Oil Stadium arena platforms yeah. in which we have some of the mega speakers. And so then you have praise and worship and then we have mass there. Plus liturgies offered throughout three days in many different capacities. Reconciliations offered. We have adoration. I mean, there's just many different opportunities of encounter for young people to have and mm -hmm. to continue building that relationship with Christ. So what do you think was different about this year? You said there was a spirit. Was there a particular speaker or something just jived or you... The spirit was alive. The spirit was alive, but I yeah. reflected a lot on what, why this year was so different. Yeah. And I've narrowed it down to my own synthesis of what I saw and what I feel made the most amount of impact. NCYC is really driven by our membership. It's We're the organization, we're a membership organization, but you have volunteers on many, many different levels. Mm -hmm. The Archdiocese of Indianapolis brings in over a thousand volunteers alone. That's not including those that are planning it and putting it together. Whoa. So you have a good... 1,500, 1,600 volunteers really working from beginning, during, and post-NCYC. So what I felt was different this year is the fact that we all were under one common mission. We were united. We all wanted to allow the spirit to move, yet provide opportunities of encounter. That was it. 
There was no hidden agendas. Nobody came saying, I want to do this or that. We were all for a common purpose, a common mission of why we were there. And when you unite in that way, <laughs> there's no way in the yeah. words of what the spirit can do because there's no agendas. There's no barriers. There's nothing from stopping anyone. When I say anyone, stopping the spirit to do what needs to be done in the lives of young people, even ourselves, to be touched in ways. Mm-hmm. And it happened. That's and beautiful. And you could see it. You can feel it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that many volunteers, how many students were there? We had about 20,000 young people. Whoa, that's a tremendous... Well, I should say 20,000 attendees. That okay. includes the young people and yeah. their adult chaperones, yeah. et cetera. So you need 1,500 volunteers to make that happen. That's oh, incredible. Oh, it's it, the amount of yeah. people that, that are, volunteer their time and energy. Yeah. And they do it with so much passion and mm-hmm. dedication and desire to, to be, be a part of something much bigger than themselves. It's incredible. Incredible. It's been going on for 39 years, and, and it continues to grow and be a, a vital part of... Uh, or really the ministry of the church. It's incredible. So I wanted to ask you, the Pew Research Center came out recently saying that about, about, about the nuns, right? We've been hearing about the nuns. Bishop Barron Light's talking about the nuns. Everybody, uh, 40% of, uh, of young adults identified as having no religion. So how do, you, how do you weigh that against, you know, your mission? I mean, it, you, you obviously, it's more critical than ever before. And... Um, I've just, in my own experience, I mean, it certainly starts at home. You know, Mm -hmm. our our, our catechesis starts at home to teach as Jesus did, says Mm -hmm. that, you know, parents are the primary religious educators. But how, um, you know, if a parent was listening to this podcast and and they're struggling maybe with their uh, child connecting with their faith, what, what would be your advice to them? Start small. Yeah. Start small in ways that are practical. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'll give you, I love telling stories, so I'll tell you a story. Great, tell quick. me a story. Um, <laughs> I have, there's, there's eight of us in the family. Mm-hmm. I am somewhere in the middle, yeah. but I have younger siblings. My youngest little brother is Matthew. He is a high, he's a senior in high school. A few years ago, it was, um, I was home visiting my parents and Matthew was there. He must have been probably in eighth grade, maybe, eighth or freshman, mm-hmm. one of those two. And I came home and I said, hey, Matthew, where did you see God today? He looked at me kind of rolled his eyes as a, a typical teen might and walked away. Mm-hmm. I could have reacted and said, hey, come back. I'm, I'm talking to you, but I, I let it go. Yeah. A few weeks later, I came back. Hey, Matthew, where'd you see God today? He looked at me a little bit more like, what are you asking me? But didn't really say anything. But again, just rolled his eyes and, and walked away. Repeated again. Hey, Matthew, a few weeks later, where'd you see God today? Why are you asking me this question? So now I got a response. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> take it, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. But I continued this a period of a couple of months, but again, not pushing, but persisting and, and asking the question, where'd you see God? And every time I asked the question, I got a little bit more of a response to the point where one day I came to him and I said, hey, Matthew, I know what you're going to ask me. And so before I could even finish the sentence, he said, you know, I saw God here, here, and here, and here. And so now fast forward a few years, I call home and I say, hey, Matthew, I know what you're going to ask me, Christina. So it's become part of his vocabulary. It's become part of his day. It's, it's part of what, whether he realized or not, somewhere interior, a reflection of God being present in his life. Again, something simple, nothing too, too, too complicated, but becoming a part of the everyday language for a young person. And I think any parent, whether you're engaged in the faith 100% or you're still trying to wrestle with God and trying to figure things out, you can ask yourself that same question. You can have a dialogue with your child. Where do you see God today? 
Wonderful story. I love it. I'm going to go home and ask my kids where they saw God today. I love it. How about, I, I see you on social media quite a bit and how important, I mean, with, with my, I've got three teenagers at home. I told you they've all got their phones glued to their hands and they're on it all the time. Is a social media presence really, uh, how essential is that to your youth ministry programs today? I think young people are on social media. Sure. And if we as a church are not on social media helping to to shape what they're viewing, what they're seeing, their, how they're shaping their thoughts, mm-hmm. then we're doing a disservice because then they're only getting one mainstream view versus what the Catholic Church can offer them. Right. I mean, I, I have a nine-year-old little girl and I have to, <laughs> I have to kind of censor what she watches, but she's on social media platforms mm-hmm. and she is looking at different things. And sometimes she'll want to sit there when I'm scrolling through my Instagram and, and she's like, who's that? And, and she's questioning me and who I'm viewing and why I'm viewing and why I'm posting and who I'm liking. So it's a point of conversation because I know she's engaged. And just the other day, she she recognized. Um, I follow one of our a priest, one of my friends, and he she recognized him and said, "Hey, that's so and so that you follow." And now she made a physical connection. Right. So it, it's part of their daily lives, um, whether we want it accept it or not. Whether it's our experience or not, exactly. It's a different world. It's a different world. Well, they're the digital natives, mm-hmm. right? We're the digital immigrants. <laughs> That's what they say. It's what they say, yeah. but they're they're truly present. Um, yeah. We're we're trying to, especially our social media accounts for NCYC, the conference that I spoke to earlier, mm-hmm. is trying to be present but in engaging. They right. don't want information. I mean, they get plenty of information. They want to engage. They want questions. They want to wrestle with the good, the bad, and they want to just know that they have a voice. Yeah. So how can social media provide an opportunity for them to have a voice within the Catholic faith. Yeah, and express their faith and Absolutely. evangelize to their friends. Absolutely. I love it. So how are you seeing uh, youth ministry grow around the country? I mean, I'm sure you, you travel around to different dioceses. And what kind of assistance do you offer dioceses when they reach out? You told me, you said up on the stage earlier that you had a bishop call you, which was a, a great story, just to say hello, which is great. But when they do call you, what, what, what are they looking for? So again, we're a membership organization. So yeah. di- diocesan directors who are members of the organization belong to the organization. Sure. And so we, again, we're a membership. So we resource one another. So it's a lot of a networking, mm-hmm. fellowship. Um, but then there are challenges that are being faced in different dioceses. So they're looking for resources. They're looking for assistance in either planning or looking for resources in activities or specifically laying out a vision, a plan for the diocese. Um, so those kind of resources, mm-hmm. but I think in general, as I look across the, the, the landscape of the faith, I'm sorry, if youth ministry across the nation, yeah. it's changing. And I think what we knew as youth ministry to be 10 years ago, five years ago, it's not the case anymore. And so NCYC, I think, gives us a lot of hope that young people are still engaged, that they want this relationship with Christ, that they're hungry for it. They want a sense of belonging, a sense of community to something much bigger. But how we offer that, the mechanism needs to change. Yeah. It's the traditional ways of a youth ministry model of, of gathering with young people, of coming to the church. That's not necessarily what's bringing them. I mean, young people have a lot of pressures nowadays. They feel the pressure from school. They're feeling the pressure from home. They're feeling the pressure from society. So then how then does faith become a part of all that without having to be another thing that they're doing? Right. When I was a youth minister, that was always the hardest part, mm-hmm. obviously, getting the kids to show up um, and knowing that they had daily planners. Well, they had daily planners back then. And they're busier than we were. I mean, every every hour, every minute of the day was, was planned. So just getting them to show up for a meeting. What do you recommend? You know, the more that I think about it and I reflect on Christus Vivit and then Pope Francis and his mm-hmm. his call to really listen to young people and ask them what they need, the more that I'm, that I'm convinced that it's going to go back to relational ministry. And so where we think we want the large group gatherings and the heart the large numbers coming to our parishes, 
that might not necessarily be the way that we're going to be ministering now and into the future with young people. And it's building those relationships where they see the authenticity. They see that you, that you believe what you believe, that you practice what you're, what you're saying, and that they can come to you and have conversations and vice versa, that you value them, that you see them as um, credible witnesses of the faith and that you're going to uplift them as, as leaders that they are. When, uh, when I was a youth minister around that time, they came out with renewing the vision, right? Mm-hmm. A framework for Catholic youth ministry. And I remember we, th- we threw up uh, on the board all the different ways in which kids could get involved in the parish, mm-hmm. whether it's through liturgy, um, you know, whether it's volunteering at CCD or vacation Bible school, whatever it was, helping out with the Knights of Columbus. Um, and, and that's the approach that we tried to take. Just Youth ministry is however we get our kids engaged with our parish, like you say, uh, relational, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of laid that framework out, but it was, uh, it was interesting. And, and, and what we found by that is more people took responsibility mm-hmm. for youth ministry. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the youth minister's job. Well, I think Renewing the Vision is still, the concepts of Renewing the Vision, they were published in 1997, are still really are relevant. Yeah. But the ways that we approach it and how we apply it I think that's what's changed. Yeah. The comprehensive youth ministry, I believe it is the way to go, offering many different opportunities to engage young people from prayer, prayer and spirituality to social justice to community life. Um, young people need to know the depth of the church and how they can be involved and be part of the church and not just know it's, it's one way. No, there's many different ways. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, your, your board of directors. I love them. Yeah. They're very passionate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our directors, there are about 23 um, yeah. uh, directors that serve on the board. Mm-hmm. We have an Episcopal um, advisor, which is um, Archbishop now Perez. Nice. And then we've got um, 22 other individuals. I love the conversations. I love the passion that is brought to the board. They're representations of the membership. Mm-hmm. And so you have people who are invested, people who want to see the organization succeed and who believe in, in the mission. Mm-hmm. And behind all of this of why they do what they do is really believing that we want to empower young people to be missionary disciples. So how, as we as an organization, can we continue to move forward in that direction? What do we have to do? What do we have to change? They're the visionaries. They're the ones making it happen. How, um, how are you seeing youth ministry as a profession evolve in parishes? Are there more, uh, more parishes that have youth ministers today than, say, 10 years ago? Or are they primarily part-time positions? What, what are you seeing out in the field? It's changing. Yeah. Just, uh, just the other day, I had a conversation with a diocesan director. Um, he was giving me some insight on, on some of the, the dioceses and some decisions that are up and coming or, and some that have already been made. And it's, it was a little disheartening because young people are, they're taking the, some dioc- di- dioceses are taking a different outlook about youth ministry on, and maybe focusing more on family before they focus on young people or maybe focusing more on adult faith formation, etc. And so young people are not necessarily at the forefront of a diocesan vision plan mm-hmm. per se, which then impacts down to the parishes, which impacts down to what is offered on the local field to directly the young people, whether or not they have a paid youth minister, whether it's volunteer, etc. I will say that whether you're a paid or whether you're a volunteer, there are many capable and individuals who are passionate about young people mm-hmm. and that want to pass on the faith that they once received from either a youth minister or someone on staff at the parish, but they want to be the individuals to, to pass on that faith to them. And so they're still engaged. Mm-hmm. But I think there needs to be a lot more support from higher up, mm-hmm. our bishops, our priests, down to making youth ministers a paid position. Yeah, absolutely. 
we had Randy Rouse on the um, on the program a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's the CEO of Life Teen, as you know. He's on your board. Yes, that's, how, that's how I met him. <laughs> are there other partner organizations like Life Teen that you're seeing blossom or other ones that you work with to try to further this mission? Oh, we have over 78 organizations that are affiliated with the organization, with wow. NFCYM. Okay. And so I can I can think of a couple that, yes, there are, I mean, every single one of them in their own capacity are, are flourishing mm-hmm. in what the resources they're offering to the field of youth ministry, whether it be actually resources that are being written, either digital or still in print, or mission trips that they're offering, or formation opportunities they're offering to youth ministers. I mean, there's so many richness of the depth of, of resources that are out there that I think that the issue becomes, how do we communicate this out to the field? Being a better vehicle of communication, and who do we communicate to? Is it the youth ministers? Is it the parents? Is it the young people themselves directly? Because some of these organizations offer resources at many different levels. Good point. I know we, we get the uh, mailings because I have three teenagers, Catholic Heart Work Camp and mm-hmm. Steubenville conferences now, not just in Steubenville, but all over the country. It's amazing. So are you kind of the air traffic controller for those or do they come together at all these organizations? Or well, be, Again, because we're a national organization, yeah. member-based, we, we sure. gather annually and plus the work takes place within the members. So then right. how do we collaborate together, come right. together under one main goal or a mission sure. to help push the field, advance the field of, young, of ministry to young people. Wonderful. Um, but I think there's more work that we can do as an organization to further promote the missions of each individual member and the resources that they're offering. Beautiful. So Archbishop Nelson Perez is your Episcopal moderator. Yes. And as you well know, he just got reassigned to Philadelphia. Yes. Wow. That's tremendous. He must be a, a great champion for youth ministry, you can just tell he's oh, so he's vibrant. A, he's such a joy to be around. And yeah. if you have five minutes with him, it feels like 30 seconds just because <laughs> of so much joy that he he just, he portrays in his conversation and his love for the young people. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the other day he was at our board meeting and the way that he spoke so eloquently about young people and the passion that they bring and, and how they are the now of God and how we need to uplift young people. He just has a way of, of passing that along to whoever he's speaking with, his passion for young people. I love it. So what's new uh, for your organization this year? Anything, any new initiatives happening that uh, you want to focus on? Well, I should give you a little bit of context over the last, where we've been and where we're heading. Yeah, please. So over the last couple of years, the organization has gone through some, some internal changes. Mm. So right before I came on board, we went, uh, re- re-looked at our mission, vision, and values and decided as an organization after a, a long process to take direction that it was time for us to, to change and to, and to adapt and modify. And so that happened right before I came on board. So when I came on board, we, I came on to now we need bylaws to match our new mission, vision, and values. And then following the bylaws, well, now we need policies and now we need procedures. So for the last three years, the organization has really been immersed into more of the, the structure, um, setting up the governance that it needs to be able to, to function under this new umbrella of a new mission and vision and value system. This year is the first year that we can say we're getting back into the work to live out this now new mission for the organization in wow. ways that is now, you, it's concrete. And so we have some new organizational goals. And so this past membership meeting, members were brainstorming. What does that look like? How do we bring these, these goals to fruition? What are some of the strategies? What are some of the tactics? What are we going to be working on in the next five years? And so it's exciting because now you're getting the field involved. People are coming up with new ideas. They're brainstorming and 
they're not letting any funding kind of stop them. Mm -hmm. It was just a blank canvas that was given to them and say, dream. Yeah. Because unless it surfaces from the members themselves, then but we're at a standstill. It's not going to have no. legs mm -mm. or arms. Yeah, mm -mm. exactly. And so it's exciting when yeah. you are forming project teams, the number of people that want to be a part of something much bigger. And so they're volunteering their time to be part of project teams, be part of ministry networks, be part of something that's going to contribute back to the field, eventually back into their own diocese and or organizations. Sounds exciting. It is. Well, very Chris much. <laughs> well, Christina, it was great to finally meet you in person at this conference. Likewise, Jim. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm, I'm pleasure to, to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. I want to thank Christina for being on our show this week. Christina brings tremendous experience and energy to her role in youth ministry. And it was a pleasure speaking with her. I actually volunteer my time with NFCYM and you should too. So please visit them at nfcym.org. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like to leave a comment about today's show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com and just click on Leave a Voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me. Have a great week, everybody, and thanks for all you do to advance the mission of our church. Take care and God bless.